everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Credit Union's Coffee and Conversation. This is Patty Corkery, President and CEO of the Michigan Credit Union League. Thanks for checking us out. If this is your first time here, welcome. Happy to have you. I had a great uh, discussion today with the new CEO of Community Financial Credit Union. So you're going to get to know Tansley Stearns um, during this podcast. Some of you have met Tansley when she was here in Michigan working for a credit union earlier in her career. She ventured around the country to different positions, and now she is back in her new role as CEO, and we're thrilled to have her. So for those of you who don't know, Community Financial has assets of more than one point. $2 billion. Uh, their main office is in Plymouth, which is where I am talking to you from and where I was able to sit down in person with Tansley and have our great discussion. They have over 82,000 members and several branches throughout the state. And um, one of the things Tansley talks about is their great connection with schools. They have over 50 school branches, which is really unique and very cool um, to learn about the credit union and their commitment to the community. But it was great to sit down and get to know Tansley better, hear what motivates her, hear about her journey, her experience, what she's seen in the industry around the country. and and her plans here at Community Financial, engaging with our Michigan community and, and building, continuing to build on what is already such a phenomenal credit union. So please enjoy the discussion with Tansley. And um, it's great to get to know her. And I know by the end of this, you'll, you'll want to meet her in person if you haven't already. So thanks for checking us out. Well, hey, Tansley, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's great to be here. Thrilled to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) Absolutely. We've, you know, done a lot of these, transitioned them over to Zoom and haven't done a ton of face-to-face in-person recordings, just the way schedules work out and everything. So it's fabulous to be here in Plymouth at Community Financial and uh, meet with you ahead of time and kind of talk through all things fun, credit unions, and so excited to have you back in Michigan. I think there's some folks that are going to be listening that know you well and a lot of them that don't just because you've been off doing other things um, outside yeah. of Michigan. So excited to dig into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first thing I'd like to just ask a guest to do is to tell us your story. Sure. My pleasure. So I grew up in the great state of Michigan in Hillsdale. So you can't see, but I always get my map out and it's right where Michigan, Ohio and Indiana come together. Yes. My family's had a farm there for 120 years. And an interesting thing uh, that Michigan did when I was little was came out with a program that allowed parents to pay for college education when kiddos were young. Right. And so I knew early on that I would be going to university and that I would be going in Michigan. And Yay. so I graduated from U of M and had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so I was looking for jobs in both social work and marketing because those two things are super similar. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I stumbled into a tiny credit union in Metro Detroit. I worked for John Normando there at Best Source Credit Union, and he has been just an exceptional mentor. And the gift of my time there was just, he was such a believer in bringing together people with different competencies. You know, he was a CFO he by trade before he became a CEO, and he, you know, worked at an audit firm before that. And he wanted somebody who was super different than him and that's hard for leaders to do. And so he let me wear a lot of different hats there and practice a lot of different things. And so after nine years, I had done almost everything other than collections and finance and IT. 
And then I went on after that to a midsize shop in Connecticut and did vastly the same work there, minus lending. And then I was about a year at Beth Page Federal Credit Union, and I spent time there doing strategy and government relations work. And then I was six years at the Feline Research Institute going all over North America, helping credit unions with innovation and strategy and their member journey. And then I spent four years at Canvas, and I went there to help transition from public service credit union to Canvas, which was an amazing journey, and then had the opportunity to lead people and also strategy and then retail And then I had the opportunity to come to Community Financial. I have been really clear for the last 20 years that I want to be a credit union CEO. And so when you think about all those moves, it was really my mentors had given me a lot of feedback about the fact, well, you started in marketing and no one's going to think you're good at anything other than pretty pictures. So shaping your journey so that people will see that and that a board will eventually be able to understand the depth of your expertise and capacity really matters. And so that explains that history and it was very planful although not always in all the ways but I really (laughs) was trying really hard to make sure that I was gaining that experience so yeah here I am that's so great. Well, if it's too planned, it's kind of boring. So in this a way, is true. it's kind of good. This is true. Yes. Um, I think just hearing, you know, I talked to a lot of folks that have stayed in Michigan their whole careers, mm-hmm. which is also, that's myself. So yes. no shame in that. Yes. But I think the idea that you've been at different institutions around the country, you know, and Feline has mixed that in, mm-hmm. it just makes you such a, a wealth of, of knowledge about what you're seeing in other areas of the country. And I think that's something that credit unions have more and more been excited about as far as the collaboration and and seeing what other folks are doing. Um, I was talking to a CEO um, not that long ago, and they were saying that um, one of the positives for COVID for them was seeing the industry come back together and collaborate. Agreed. And they want that to kind of continue. And and I think part of that is is being open to talking about what's happening at your credit union and, and not being like, you know, it is competitive, but there's so many ways to collaborate, and I'm sure you bring that, you know, in full force coming back as you have ventured around the country. So we're thrilled to have you back in Michigan, and um, I've had an opportunity to sit down with you a couple of times since you came back, and I can only imagine the whirlwind of coming into, <laughs> you know, moving, a totally new job. Obviously, you know, it's such a, a great credit union and, and a large credit union and uh, a lot of adjustments for you. So how are you handling all of it. I hope well. Yeah. I, the answer probably belongs with other humans in terms of how I'm handling it. In your mind, it's going great. <laughs> you know, I, and it's hard, right? You know, I think one of the things I'm working hard at in life these days is being more open about the things that are bumpy. You know, yeah. I'm, I am, as much as I love change in my work, I am a creature of habit. Yeah. And so the last 60 days, I've had a lot of different places to live, and I haven't had a lot of the comforts of my home. Yeah. The thing I giggle about, I have this chair in my house that when I do get home and have a minute, I love to sit in. And we put our house up for sale in Colorado. The realtor didn't like the chair, so it, it wasn't even there when I was in Colorado, and I haven't <laughs> had it for 60 days since then. And so I'll be very happy when my chair makes it here. <laughs> 
So I'm picturing like the recliner from Frasier. It's a little like that. Is it? It's a little cuter. Oh, good. But, it's, but it is in that vein. Okay. So do you have it now or still not no. yet? No. Oh, so my, my house in Colorado closes on August 5th, and then they have three weeks to leisurely get from Colorado to Michigan. Okay. So we'll see. Nice, nice. That is a lot. That is a lot. So um, so when you said your family had a farm, I have to what kind of farm are we talking? Yeah. So in total, it's 180 acres. Okay. And when my grandmother was in her 60s, she decided to make the split of the land between her three kiddos because she never wanted the family to be arguing about it. So okay. she just said, this is how it will be. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't talk about it again. My mother's portion is 40 acres, and for most of my life, they've leased the land. Okay. They're not farmers. My dad's a CPA, and my mom was a teacher okay. for 30 years. All but right. they uh, raise soybeans and wheat and corn, and they rotate the crops. Okay. So mm-hmm. this vision I had of you in overalls farming is not mm, reality. No, okay. no. My daughter <laughs> keeps saying she's going to be a farmer, and I keep reminding her that if she makes that decision, that means she can't go on fun vacations in quite the same way she has in her yeah. life. So we'll see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, that's so fun. And yeah. so you have one daughter, right? I have one daughter, Mackenzie Isabel. She's 11, Aww. going on 22. Yeah. Is she excited about a new adventure here in Michigan? You know, she is. And it's hard. You know, 11 is a tough age in Colorado. She would have one more year of elementary school. And so here she'll be going into middle school. So that's a decent time for the transition because everybody's having a go. Right. That's good. That's good. So she's not going to be the only kid that doesn't know other people. Yeah. It'll be good. And she's super social. So she will very quickly have lots of friends. I'm confident. That's great. Well, um, I've talked to a lot of different CEOs. Um, and, and I've, you know, certainly being here in Michigan, I've gotten to know quite a few folks. I mean, how would you, Tansley, describe yourself as a leader? I'm a servant leader. I really believe that I am here to be in service to our members, to the team. And I learned from John Normando years ago that the CEO in the organization needs to be the one that models behavior and never asks anybody to do anything that they wouldn't do themselves. And so, you know, I remember him walking through the parking lot and picking up trash. And if there was something that happened in the organization that nobody else wanted to deal with, John would do it head on. And so I try to emulate that behavior. I also am someone that worries about the pace of change for credit unions. I think we've got to pick up that pace a bit because the world is moving very quickly. The world's not going to wait for us and we got to get ahead of some things, Mm -hmm. not just caught up, but ahead of some things. And so I do believe we've got to embrace innovation, which is an overused word, but one that we've got to get better at as a competency and figure out the, the ways that we can ensure that human beings know what a powerful tool credit unions are to have their futures be bright. Absolutely. No, I hear you. And I mean, that's certainly something we as an industry talk about in Michigan. And, you know, of of course, there's, you know, you can't go to a conference without talking about fintechs Mm -hmm. and what's happening in that space and how credit unions can get more engaged. You know, um, it started way back when talking about cannabis banking. Mm -hmm. What's that look like for our credit unions in Mm -hmm. Michigan with it being legal um, recreationally now as well? And do credit unions take on that risk and that appetite? And, um, you know, it's there's so many different things. And now we're talking about cryptocurrency and what that looks like. And is there a place for that in our credit union world? And, and if so, what? And there's just so many 
things. And I mean, and I think it, I, I guess if I were leading a credit union, that would be one thing I would struggle with. What do you choose? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's different ways you can go and mapping out that strategy has got to be something that, you know, obviously takes a lot of thought and consideration. And what are some of the more specific topics that you, you're excited about to kind of roll up and dig into here? Absolutely. So one is storytelling and brand. I yeah. don't even like to use the word marketing because I don't think that that's robust enough for what we need to do. One of the things I love about the state of Michigan is that having been in all parts, all 50 states across this amazing country, geographically, consumers understand credit unions very differently. And the great news at the top of the funnel in Michigan, thanks to organizations like yours, consumers here know what credit unions are. So that's amazing. And that's a wonderful starting point. And we still have so much work to do to help people understand the robust way that we can serve them and, and how we tell that story matters deeply. So we've got work to do in that regard. I also think, you know, you mentioned fintechs. I don't believe that as a credit union really of any asset size, we're all pretty small in comparison to the big banks. We can win across the entire tech stack. Right. And I think we have to pick for the people we serve the right places to win in a couple of areas of technology. And so we're going to explore what those are. We also really have to continue to think deeply about the people strategy. You sure. know, I am a big believer that you win with human beings. Yeah. And the future of work just exploded in yeah, the last exactly. two years. None of us have the answer to that, including right. me. And what I've been telling our team is I want us to figure that out together. Sure. We none of us have a crystal ball, although I often wish I did. And the way that we shape that together, using listening as a superpower, really matters. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing that I would say is that this organization has an incredible infrastructure of 50 student-run branches in schools. And I'm just thrilled to be able to take that infrastructure and continue to build products and services and technology to have young humans raving about community financial that's awesome. Yeah, the branch network for that is is something that has been so exciting to watch yes. um, when we think about community financial as well. And um, there was, um, just a kind of a side story, there was a student-run operation up in the UP where the students, um, they actually bought a business. So it was called The Grind, and it was a coffee shop up there. Um, and it was all student-run. They got to understand, you know, what it's like to start a small business, and they ultimately just sold it for a profit. And just not that long long ago. It was such a success story. Um, at Limestone Credit Union up there um, was a major player in that. And it was a really innovative thing to see. And um, I credit Jennifer up there who leads that organization with that. And she was just super thrilled with what it meant for that community. Because it was, you know, it's in the UP, it's a smaller town. And um, just coming up with those really community-focused, unique ideas, I think, is this, there's so much... um, runway for that. So that's Great. exciting. I'm, I'm excited to see what you all come up with here. And I think you're right on the remote work. It's it's the same thing. You know, credit unions, I think people that take a very quick hardline approach one way or the other 
we've all seen them stepping that back, yes. you know, um, making modifications and, um, and, and tweaking that. So what the right sauce is, is, is still some of a mystery. I'm, I'm stuck with it being a blend Agreed. as, you know, I think that's where most folks are landing mm-hmm. now. Yes. Um, because you know, seeing people is fun. I mean, sitting yes. here in a room with four people so is, great. is so fun. Yes. Um, so what about young professionals? Mm-hmm. I mean, just as you kind of go around what, you know, I know I mentioned to you that we have some good YPs in our state and the fuel group and the hype group in the UP and and they're they're some of our number one listeners so talking to them you know um, kids or kids I call them kids but you know, <laughs> 20s um, they want to accelerate in our industry I mean you have folks like you who you've been a part of this credit union community for a long time you know kind of looking back on your career what sort of advice would you give somebody who wants to rise like you did mm. in the industry one, you know, one of my goals, I had somebody ask me the other day in one of my listening sessions what I wanted my legacy to be about when I oh, retire. Wow. And I've thought deeply about that. And one of the the tenants is I wish to have people graduating from university, starting in Michigan, but all over our country, to be dreaming about and begging to work in credit unions. And yeah. that, that is one of my goals. And so I think young professionals have a responsibility to be a huge part of that. People graduating from college are not at all interested in me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure some are. (laughs) They see themselves in the young professionals that are growing in credit unions. And so I think they have such a leadership role to play in that. And so I would invite them to be a huge part of that connective tissue to universities and to high schools and beyond. I also think from an advice perspective, it's about what I call the swoop. And it's a little bit of what I talked about with with John, which is do the things that nobody else wants to do. You know, early in my career, I asked if I could run marketing, which I was doing, and then also live in Chicago and run the branch that was there because they hadn't had a branch manager in a long time. I didn't have any experience with running a branch. I didn't know anything about it. But it was a really good operating expense model for them to have a marketing leader and a branch leader in one. And it gave me the opportunity to have exposure to something I hadn't had before. Being the person who raises your hand, who asks to do it without asking about what the monetary reward is going to be. It will come. Yeah. Those things will come. Now, you've got to be smart about it. I'm not sure. I have always been smart about that. And... Being willing to raise your hand and offer to do those things time and time again, people pay close attention to those that do that, do that well, are willing to take a risk. And then I would also invite people to be brave about the journey. I'm probably a, a really strong example of this, but you know, being willing to take a job somewhere else, right. you know, whether it's a different region of Michigan or it's a different state, you know, that's not for everyone. And the gift of being in different places was important to my journey. You know, the time at Bethpage was exponential. The leaders there understand strategy in a way that most organizations don't. And so that gift of time was exponential for me. The gift of time at Fleen in terms of being able to see all kinds of different credit unions and shapes and sizes and see the fintech world in a way that I never would have and academia. It's irreplaceable. And all of those journeys come together in a way that has given me perspective that I wouldn't have had in one place. So there's there's real positives of staying in one location and, and the tenure in so many credit unions is wonderful. And 
I think being willing to take some of those risks can be really positive. Yeah, absolutely. And especially just kind of touching on something you landed on, taking a position where, you know, maybe that's not your wheelhouse, but you sign up for it Mm -hmm. and do it. And, and I think especially with some women, you know, Mm -hmm. you hear that in the stats about who's applying for jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, a woman will want to look through the the bullet points of what skills are necessary. And if they don't have one or two, they Mm -hmm. don't apply. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, traditionally uh, men would be like having half the skills and apply and and get it. Chances are. Mm -hmm. So I think having that, you know, don't be afraid to take on something that you don't know, Mm -hmm. as long as you're honest about what your capabilities are. um, I think that's, that's a great story. Um, Well, and the interesting thing I think today even more than when I was in my 20s is that subject matter expertise just doesn't exist anymore right I mean you think about when I started in 1998 I realize that's so embarrassing but there as a marketing specialist there was no social media (laughs) you know and fast forward to today that's something over my career (laughs) that I've had to become skilled at sure and and now I'm getting to an age where I can't keep up So the the gift of this time is that in a world that changes so quickly, you can, if you continue to stay hungry and curious, gain any subject matter expertise. Yeah. You know, the 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 important thing is that ability and willingness to keep learning. Yeah, absolutely. Especially just with all of the virtual opportunities yes. now for education or, or getting some of that through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in your, you touched on this a little bit about it, Feline and mm-hmm. working with credit unions large and small. I mean, obviously our industry is consolidating. You mm-hmm. know, we're seeing it in Michigan. It's not a new phenomenon. It's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just above 200 credit unions. Now, which is drastically different from when you were here mm-hmm. at Best Source, um, what do you? What does that mean? What are What are your thoughts on the consolidation in our industry? You know, the pros and the cons, mm-hmm. and and how do you see credit unions evolving as we condense and grow larger and larger? So I, as with many things, don't think that there's a black and white answer about yeah, this. I drive no. people bananas because I just am a believer that two things can be true at once. Sure. I think for some small credit unions, making a decision to find a partner that aligns culturally, that helps them bring more value to members, that can ensure that the burden of regulation is different, yeah. is meaningful. You know, when I left Canvas, one of the last projects I was a big part of was a merger of a smaller credit union that really allowed that organization to give back to their community in a way they hadn't been able to, to have resources that allowed them to invest in their team. So there's value in certain instances. And then I have so many stories of dear, dear friends of mine who are running credit unions that are small, quote unquote, but they are as mighty as the largest ones in this country. And they are creating impact in ways that sometimes large credit unions don't. And so there's not one answer. I'm not I'm not down on mergers. I don't think that there's a reason to say that. And I think leaders and boards have to be making the best decisions for the humans that they serve. Right. And we have to, what I worry about a lot of times in our industry is that we have strong opinions and I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope that at times we become better at being advocates for one another, because what I worry about is that sometimes these conversations allow us to have the stories that we tell be credit unions against credit unions. And we haven't told our story well enough to have that be the thing that we do. Right. And so 
we can probably be really good supporters of organizations that come together and be really good supporters of those that want to remain independent and celebrate both of those things. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's very true. And and something we were talking about a little bit before we got started here is just finding your niche, right? Yeah. And finding a niche for a small credit union could be life-changing. Absolutely. And, and they could continue to stay small yes. and focus on one or two things that they're phenomenal at. Yeah. And because it's impossible for them yes. to wear all hats, it's impossible for a billion plus to wear all hats, yeah. you know, when you're competing with Chase, you yeah, know, for example. That's right. So um, a lot of opportunity there. And um, yeah, I love working with our smaller credit unions and getting them together with our larger and sharing ideas and, um, you know, supporting one another because yeah. it happens both ways, as you know. But yeah. I agree. There's there's uh, usually two right answers. You know, that's yeah. there's a lot of you know, murkiness, you know, and an opinion on this type of stuff. So, well, and there are so many good stories, you know, Hank Hubbard in our great state is such a wonderful example of someone who has done just what you said, focused Mm -hmm. so closely on what his community needs. I have amazing stories of Lily New Farmer down in Texas, you know, really bringing innovation to life. You know, Linda Bodie's another great example. You know, there are human beings across this country that are running smaller shops that, you know, oftentimes we tell ourselves, oh, we can't get technology to move or we can't handle what might come if we don't have more resources. Those are three human beings who have, at every turn, doubled down, made demands on their partners, been really tough, and are doing incredible things for their members. So, if you want to stay independent, there are amazing human beings to be wonderful partners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And some of the women in that group that you mentioned, yeah. I love how they formed a, a women's yes, group around right? the country. Yes. Women leading smaller credit unions. And the name is escaping me right now, the acronym. Oh, I, I don't know that I have it. I've promoted them in the yes. past and encouraged some of our credit unions to join, and I think they have. Good. So it's, it's great. I yes. love to see that um, happening and networking. Um so, I mean, we've talked about members, obviously. What do you think that, you know, with, with all of the memberships that you've worked with around the country, I mean, what do you think, what are members looking for in their financial institutions? I mean... There's two things. One, I think truly a partner. You know, what's interesting in our lives is that we have gotten so used to, through data and robust data utilization, the organizations in my life that I rely upon giving us advice. Right. And I think we as credit unions have a huge opportunity to bridge that gap. I think we've been really reticent to use data as strongly as I think we could because we fear people thinking we're creepy. Right. (laughs) I think all of us are over the creepy stage because we know people have it. And so the organizations that don't use it, I think are a little bit, as my daughter would say, sauce, because we know you have it. So use it for good. (laughs) S-U-S. I've seen that and I had to connect some dots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you and me both. She keeps me young. So I think that's one. And, you know, the example that I often give is, you know, one of my bad habits in life is Diet Coke drinking. And when I was at Feline, there was a CVS in our backyard. And I would, when I was not traveling, run over there and buy too many Diet Cokes. And that's a terrible financial decision, right? I should go to Costco on the weekend and buy a big pack (laughs) of them instead of onesie twosie. And, of course, my credit union knew that. And wouldn't it be awesome, in my opinion, for them to nudge me and say, hey, you're spending X amount on Diet Cokes <laughs> at the CVS. We know one of your dreams is to take Mackenzie to Ireland next year. Don't give up on Diet Coke, but buy two less a week. And here's where that can go to save towards Ireland. Right. 
those small nudges, I think, are wonderful ways to make financial literacy relevant right. and actionable. So that, that would be one. I think the second is really they want to have their lives made easier. Right. You know, the, the thing that none of us have enough of right now is time. Right. And so we have to get out of our own way <laughs> and meet people where they are in the way that they want to be served. And that we've hung our head on service for a long time. And my alma mater does this survey about service and unfortunately credit unions are not faring as well as banks and i i distinctly believe that the reason for that is that it the consumer doesn't think about service the way we do they think about it as their smart device and the online experience and the way that the digital experience connects with the comm center experience and the branch experience and that journey has to be seamless right. it's not omni channel that you have all the channels it's that those channels weave together in a right. way that makes somebody's life engaging right Absolutely. Absolutely. And for our listeners, she is sitting right next to her Diet Coke. So I can attest. <laughs> I can attest that she's a Diet Coke drinker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, so let's get to know you a little bit better, Tansley. Okay. Um, so what do you like to do for fun? So I love to run. I've been running since I was Mackenzie's age. And I would get up every morning at 3.50 and I either run or I get on What's my Peloton. the middle of the night, girl? I know. I know. I have borrowed every minute from the day that exists. <laughs> I guess. 3.50. So I love that. I love to hike and be outside. And I love all things the arts. So I love a good movie. I love a good book. I love a good Broadway show. I love to sing with Mackenzie. Neither of us are particularly gifted in that way. (laughs) It's still fun. (laughs) But we dance our booties off every chance we get. So whether that's in our living room or someplace else, we love to do that. And. So those are things that bring me a lot of joy. Nice. Is she running with you now? Is she kicking it up or not yet? So we'll see. I try really hard not to show too much enthusiasm about that. (laughs) Because if I care too much about something, it is not cool. (laughs) Tansley, how does she not show, how do you not show enthusiasm? You seem like that would be a struggle for you. (laughs) That is a struggle for me, without question. (laughs) All right. So some more things that I ask everybody on the podcast, because I think it's fun to kind of compare. But um, so what is on your nightstand at home? A Diet Coke. At, at, bed, <laughs> at bedtime? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, I told you, it's a very bad habit. <laughs> so it's what time are you habit. going to bed if you're waking up at 3.50? My dream would be somewhere between between 9 and 10. I, these days, it's somewhere yeah. between 11 and midnight. Yeah. yeah. I'm not getting enough sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got so much happening with that big transition. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So nothing else, just your Diet Coke. Do you have books exactly. there? Do you read at night? You know, I so one thing I'm really proud of right now, this is a tiny thing, but it's a huge transition. I had a terrible habit of watching TV at night. Okay. And I, in the middle of interviewing for the CEO gig, which was super stressful, decided I was giving up that habit. Okay. And so I am reading more at night. The problem is... And this is good, but I fall asleep very quickly. Sure. Yeah. So um, you don't make a lot of headway. I don't make book. a lot of headway. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what is something that people get wrong about you? Mm. <laughs> that the fact that I care so deeply about work and am a grinder means that I don't care about human beings. Mm. I care really? deeply about human beings and they are my heart. And I do not expect people to run at my pace. And what I've had really good conversations with, with folks about this when they've asked is, 
hey, listen, I'm going to respect the balance you want to have. And, and I want you to have the life that you want to build. And I'm going to be joyful about that and celebrate it. And I want you to do the same for me. Right. Even though my balance is different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't run at the same pace, probably figuratively and literally, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I can see that, but I think that's a great perspective, you know, mm-hmm. respecting both sides. Yeah. All right, so if you could have coffee or a Diet Coke with anyone, who would it be and why? In this moment, it would be John Normando, you know. Yeah. I have uh, talked a lot about him in the last two years, probably too much, but he really was such a gift to me in terms of helping me see something in myself I didn't. And I haven't been able to see him really since I left Michigan. And so it would be amazing to have a coffee with him and be able to say thank you in person. Is he still here? I actually think he and Jackie are in Vegas. Oh, okay. Yes, which was their dream. And so that's amazing. Good. Mm -hmm. Well, I can see that happening. It seems like a realistic person to have coffee with. Yeah. Yeah, I did work with John back in the day. We did some legal work for Best Source, so I have met him. So, yeah, he's a great guy. Yes. Um, Okay, well, you might have told us this already in one of your other um, answers, but what is a bucket list travel destination? Mm. Well, I said Ireland. I've already been there, so I wouldn't wouldn't say that. I would, golly, I would like to, I'd like to do New Zealand. I've not done New Zealand. I did Australia. I'm hesitating because when I went to Australia, I went there for work. Okay. And my mom went with me. And in all my travels, I have felt so comfortable. And it was the one trip where I was just... I was so uncomfortable because really? I was thinking constantly about how far I was from Mackenzie uh, and how if air travel got interrupted, yeah. that I didn't know how I would get back to my kid. Right. Yeah. And so if I go, I want her with me. Sure. Yeah. Take her. I'm sure she will not resist. <laughs> no, she is. And she is the reason I need to go back to Ireland because she right. is, if you meet her, she will talk to you in an Irish accent within 10 minutes because no. she is on it about Ireland wow. right now. Yeah. You definitely have to get her there then. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. That's fun. Well, if you go in October, I don't know if you're a marathon runner, but they have a cool old marathon in Dublin. That oh, that's back amazing. Back when I was in my running yeah. days, I did. Um, oh, which is a fun epic. way to kind of get right? through the city. And yes. So, okay. Well, that's cool though. I mean, New Zealand. Yeah. I have, we were supposed to go right before COVID hit my daughter and I, oh, we were going to do New Zealand nice. and Australia, but then they were really tight. They were super tight. Locked down. Yep. Same with Australia, but mm-hmm. in any event, so I can, I can see that in your future. Yeah. Very cool. But you got to go for fun because going yes. for work, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, you go for work and be, Oh, did you go here? Did you go? No, no, I literally stepped I outside for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I know we all know what work travels like. Okay. So what is one trait or quality that you think every leader should strive for? Empathy. Okay. Empathy. You know, I talk about my leadership theory being this notion of cushions and wings. And what I mean by that is that we have to create cushions for one another. I had a really strong epiphany in the last six months in seeing somebody almost leave canvas because of the weight of things that were happening outside of work. And this was an exceptional employee, somebody that we saw so many positives in that we thought would have a strong trajectory and was willing to walk away from all that because 
they didn't want to come in and say, I need a minute to take a breath. Okay. And yeah. so we've got to get to know one another well. We've got to embrace the connectedness as human beings. And that cushion then allows us to invite people to have wings and to dream boldly and to drive innovation and to reach for impact with our members and impact in their lives. And those two things have to come together. Yeah. And that starts with empathy. Absolutely. I think, I wonder if part of the reason our work culture struggles with that is just how driven folks are to work more mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. our country, uh-huh. you know, compared yeah. to others. Yeah. And, you know, one of the arguments I heard in favor of work from home, I actually met this young attorney who was super excited that, he could work from home as a lawyer because all of the hearings and stuff were virtual and he was able to bill more. I'm like, yeah, that's what we need our lawyers to bill even more than what we were required to bill before. So you're cutting out the drive time, which is where your mind could be a little free, right? Instead. And then I thought about it too. And I'm like, so you're, you're going in virtual to the courtroom. So that means you're literally meeting no other attorneys that are in the room. You're not seeing any other hearings before yours to learn from their styles, to see what kind of mood the judge is. I mean, and he, I just went on some sort of soapbox with this young lawyer and he's probably like, okay, lady, stop talking now. (laughs) But it was just, but the thought was, you know, to work more instead of like enjoy life. It's like, God, I hope that's not a message from COVID. I would think mm-hmm. it's, I'm hoping it's the opposite, right? How important it is, you know, to enjoy life with mm-hmm. the mass amount of tragedy we saw with the epidemic. And so I, I think empathy is something that a lot of leaders haven't had as a top five for, for decades, just with, you know, this culture we have in America to work more and play less. And and so um, I think your balance of, of working, obviously what you're describing is a lot to engage with your team and, and yourself professionally, but to keep that empathy is, is a really great um, quality. And I'm glad that's your number one. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me, Tansley. It was really fun to talk to you and congratulations on your role here in Michigan. We're super excited to continue to work with you and get you out and about and meeting folks that you haven't had a chance to meet before and and reuniting with those that you had. And I know just from, oh my gosh, the excitement when it was announced who got this job. um, I was like, oh, wow, I got a lot of people know her. So very excited to have you here and we're thrilled to to watch and see what you do here at this amazing um, credit union. Thank you. Thanks. my friend and thanks for all you do with the league it's incredible oh thanks girl mm-hmm well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Tansley. I know I sure learned some more things about her. It was, you know, it's always great to hear what leaders are focused on and, and kind of what they think our members want out of their financial institutions. So to hear from Tansley about the creative ways that credit unions really need to dig in and use data for their members. Um, she joked about some people thinking, you know, digging into data is creepy, but I mean, I think we're, she's right. We're all kind of getting past that and there's so many different ways that credit unions can use data to better serve their members. So she joked about Diet Coke, but I think that's serious, you know, really digging in to see where from a financial assistance component, you know, we can help as advisors to our members. And and she also talked about, you know, the ways that we need to make their lives easier. You know, how do members want service to look like and, and what are the touch points that we have in working with them? So that was great to hear that perspective um, and, and also just striving for that quality of empathy. You know, what she looks to bring as a leader, um, the trait and quality that she admires most is to really understand the person in 
in front of you and what their life looks like, whether it be at work or their personal life and, and how we're all so different and we need to um, be treated that way. So I, I think that was awesome to hear that from her. Not at all surprising that that's something that's top of mind for her, um, being a servant leader, as she told us, and, and really having these great listening sessions. Did you catch that? She alluded to her, she didn't say meeting, she said listening session. And I think that's such a great perspective as well and really shines a big light on what Tansley is like as, as a leader and a co-worker in this great industry. So I loved hearing about that. So again, congratulations to Tansley um, for this new opportunity. She said it was her dream for 20 years to be a credit union CEO. And I'm so glad that that's coming true for her here in Michigan. Really looking forward to working with her and her amazing team and board at Community Financial. So if you haven't liked the podcast already, be sure to do so. Um, That way you get alerts when a new episode drops and you can stay in touch with those that are movers and shakers in our Michigan industry. So thanks for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to bringing you another great conversation really soon.